0: Hey, my dear friend, welcome back to Moms Grab Coffee. Today, I have the pleasure of having another working mom on the show. Her name is Ellie Oswald, and she is the Executive Director of Faith to Action. And we're going to talk about a couple things. First, I'm going to get a mom tip from her on how she handles multiple heavy, heavy responsibilities. One, being a mom to two boys, 11 and 8 years old. And then two... The work she does to raise awareness about the limitations of orphanages and build support for vulnerable families and children. Now, of course, her responsibilities are not just limited to those two things, but those are the ones that we're going to focus on today. And that's because many of us have those same roles as well. And by that, I mean being a mom, but also juggling the workplace. And I can say that because last week's episode seemed to be pretty popular. I had Dr. Sarah Visser on the show, and she talked about redefining the balance between being a mom and being that working woman. So today, Ellie's going to share her mom wisdom, and then we're going to talk about the organization Faith to Action. You're going to learn a lot of great stuff today and especially as we head into the holiday season, Ellie's going to tell us small ways that we can help shine a light and show love to our vulnerable neighbors within our very communities. So without further ado, it is my pleasure to welcome Ellie Oswald. I would love to get a mom tip from you. Being involved in such an amazing mission, like faith to action, that's that's got to feel really fulfilling, but also it's a pretty heavy responsibility. Simultaneously, you're a mom with two boys still in the house, another heavy responsibility. How do you manage and balance those two God-given callings? (laughs) Good question. And I mean, I've definitely struggled with this.
1: Um, Two quick things that help me is one to believe and remind myself that God cares for these children more than I ever could, that God is actively working to support and love and protect these children. God is, not me. Um, That this work that we're doing to reform systems of care for children, uh, it's huge, but it is God's work. And the cool thing is I get to be a part of it. You know, I think God invites us to be a part of his reconciling work, um, but it doesn't rely on me and it doesn't rely on my success. And that allows me to sleep at night, to be honest. And there have been times where I struggled with that. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, God loves my children the same way. And um, I really have had to overcome the fear that I'm you know, screwing up my kids. Like I've had times where I've worked full-time, part-time, not at all. Just um, And so, you know, in all of those shifts, there's always, I mean, I'm just going to be transparent. Like, am I, you know, am I giving enough for my kids? Is working going to mess things up? Um, whatever, you know, so I have to also at the same time know that God, I'm seeking God's guidance in every decision that we make. And He loves my children and that He will lead and guide us. And, and I have to kind of give that up. And the last thing I'll say is I'm an Enneagram, Enneagram one. I don't know if you know Enneagrams much, but that is like a very self-critical, it's a perfectionist. Mm, so I, like go out at night. yes, I, I, it, it's not just Enneagram one, it's just being a <laughs> And I like think about all the things I did that I could have done better for my, or for the world, or all you know, I spent go to the list and just shame myself. And um, when I was learning about Enneagram, one of the things they said towards one is, Let it go. Like, that is the number one phrase that you should have. Whenever you start down this road, yeah. let it go. <laughs> um, and so I just have to do that and go, You know what, Ellie, let it go. Yeah. And let God. That's the other way,
0: right? Let it go and let God. and. Know and believe that God will guide me. Yes, yes, love that. I saw a—I um, uh, don't know if you could call it a meme because there's so much truth to it. I was, you know, on Instagram late at night, and I came across a post. It said, "Give it to God and go to sleep." <laughs> like, I love that because you are, <laughs> as moms, we are up late at night, going through the day, and like, all right, what happened today? What went wrong? What went wrong? Where did I fail? All right, tomorrow, what's going to happen? Our minds are constantly racing. Like, give it yeah. to God and go to sleep. More <laughs> yeah, <we> than <do> anything, <laughs> yes. Let's talk about Faith to Action because I want to make sure everyone has an understanding of the organization because that's all going to relate to this whole conversation. So, what is Faith to Action and what is the mission? Yeah, so Faith to Action is actually
1: a coalition of organizations. So we aren't our own organization. I love that because. I I like to joke that we don't really do anything um, because we are focused on the work of our partners in the coalition and they do work around the world to help vulnerable children. So our goal in coming together as a coalition called Faith to Action is to make family care the globally recognized very best practice for meeting the needs of orphaned and vulnerable children, as opposed to residential care facilities like orphanages and children's homes around the world. Um, Our coalition recognizes that Families are very important for the development of children. Children belong in families. Um, That family provides the safe and loving context for um, a child to experience the belonging, the identity, the emotional support um, to to develop into um, healthy adults. So our coalition really focuses on educating and mobilizing individuals churches, faith-based organizations who are trying to serve and really respond to the biblical mandate to care for the orphan um, and to do that with excellence, to do it utilizing best practices that are um, evidence-based and the research that really shows us what is working well for these children and their families.
0: So when you say family care, are we talking about blood relatives? I mean, what does that exactly mean?
1: Family care is anything in the context of authentic family. So in the early 1900s in the United States, we utilized residential care very commonly. You know, um, uh, orphanages were, were a thing here, but in about the 1950s um, in the United States, we made a shift to what we would call family-based care, and that's when the foster care system started, and really the most important work of gatekeeping and ensuring that children that can stay with their families do stay with their families if the families need support. So family-based care is really... Um, First and foremost, um, supporting a family that's struggling to care for their children to be able to do that if they're able to. And then, when a ch- family is not a safe place for a child, or if they are, are truly unable to care for their children, finding an alternative option that is family. So, um, often that's kinship care. Around the world, kinship care is the most common alternative form of family care. Um, so, that'd be grandma, auntie, older siblings taking in a child um, that is already a part of their kinship, their family, their friends, that kind of thing. Um, And then the next layer would be looking at, is there a temporary family that needs to care for this child while we're looking for a long-term placement? So that would be foster care. There's some other kind of forms of that globally. And ultimately, if a child is not able to be with their family, ensuring that they have um, the opportunity to be adopted into a a family, um, that might not be even related to them at all. So um, it really is, about ensuring, I mean, I think as moms, we get this mm-hmm. and um, we understand how important it is for a child to to have a mom and a dad and, and family siblings around them. And you know, the thing that really has tugged at my heart over the years is I've had my own children is um, those moments when I would kind of like instinctually rush into my child's bedroom when I hear them crying at two o'clock in the morning. And realizing there are children that don't even cry anymore because no one comes to them in the context of an orphanage because there's not, there's too many kids and not enough respond uh, enough to respond to every need and and cry. Those are the kind of things that I think, you know, moms, especially dads too, um, recognize. And it's, it's heartbreaking to know that there are children, very young children, but even older children who don't have that individualized loving support, someone who's always thinking about their best interest and in trying to support them. Um,
0: so, so I think it is something that moms more than anybody else really care about. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes total sense. Uh, now, does Faith to Action and the organizations that they support, um, other nonprofits perhaps, get into the legal aspects as well? Well, the organizations we
1: work with, of course, they do. What's great is there is a growing um, movement, really, of faith-based and non-faith-based Organizations and individuals who are really pushing towards more quality options for kids around the world. Mm -hmm. Um, We know that about 80% of children in orphanages around the world have living parents. They either have have at least one parent, if not both, and the vast majority of those have other family members who actually could care for them if they were given support to be able to do so. Um, So we see organizations around the world and governments around the world really making this change to say, what else can we do to try to see these children in the context of family? So they're doing things like engaging the local church to find vulnerable families who maybe are at risk of being separated from their family. So um, a local church knows the community usually, and they can kind of go, you know, down the road, I've noticed that this family is really struggling. Um, you know, this organization, like there's a group called Forgotten Voices that works with local churches in East Africa. They will say, "Forgotten voices has trained us to kind of identify these families and go. Let's check in on them. Let's see if they're okay, if they're if they're caring well for their child in all of this." Mm-hmm. And so they they have kind of that kind of work at the same time. There's organizations that are building up foster families and have social workers who are going in when there's a crisis or when the government finds that there's a problem in a household and doing the work to um, ensure that that child is placed in a safe option, but also in a family option for those children. So organizations, Christian organizations around the world are un- deeply embedded in the care for kids um, and always have been really since the early church, the early church, when um, children were cast out of the walls of Jerusalem, for whatever reason, the Christians were the ones that were taking those kids into their homes and, and responding. And so um so this work is so important and, and Christians are involved at every level of the work and individuals are involved at every level of the work of case management, care, for, direct care for kids, fundraising, um, advocating, all of that is so important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so, so reassuring that that work is happening around the world and that it's being led by Christians. Now, when it comes to the U.S., Many of us might feel the opposite is happening, where Christians are having to fight for the value of family, or not even just Christians, but just you know uh, people who understand the importance of family and keeping uh, children safe within those environments. Do you see the same movements happening within this country? And our coalition really is
1: focused on the global work, but so many of our partners work both domestically here in the United States and globally. And to be honest, um, and maybe I'm optimistic, but we've seen people rise up in response to the needs, especially um, around the foster care system. Um, I was just... um, talking with some friends in Oklahoma. And um, some of the incredible work that has happened through a group called Project 111, where churches and um, individuals are essentially not just coming in to be foster parents, which is an important part of this work, but also coming around to support vulnerable families in their communities, um, to recognize that that is an important part of the work. And it's a messier, maybe, part of the work, but so vital that we're responding to the needs of families in our own neighborhoods, and our own cities, and also um, uh, being able to support foster families who have taken children in and, and have been called to that work um, to be able to support them, those families as they're doing that work. So, to be perfectly honest, um, you know, to, I don't know, you know, what it means in the political space or whatever, but um, when it comes to seeing the church rise up and to seeing individuals, you know, step forward and take real action, it's it's an encouraging time. And one of the important points when it comes to global care is that we know that U.S. Christians specifically, we've got some data from the Barna Group. They give very generously to orphan ministries, which is so incredible. The estimates we have from Barna is that $2.5 billion, billion billion with a B, um, is sent from Christians in the United States, just individuals, not like mm-hmm rich Christians or churches or foundations like individuals, you and I writing checks to um, residential care style support. So orphanages and children's homes every single year, $2.5 billion from Christians to orphanages every year, which is amazing. And also it's, It's also something that could be incredibly powerful um, if we aligned more with what we're learning works best for kids. Because what we have found out is that um, residential care is not having the kind of outcomes that we would like to see when it comes to supporting children well and those those children be able to thrive into adulthood. They're actually really struggling. And the family-based models, whether that's um, supporting a vulnerable family, preventing them from being separated or foster care is having much better outcomes. And this is data over 50 years that we've been looking at. Um, so really mm-hmm. um, recognizing that and there needs to be a shift to say in my community, it's about family-based care. We don't have orphanages anymore in my, you know, in my community. So why am I supporting them overseas? You know, there's mm-hmm. children are children at the end of the day and they all need family. And I think we know that instinctually. And, and it's a matter of lining up those resources to be able to support other options for, for children.
0: And I want to make sure we all have the same um, understanding as to how faith to action is defining a vulnerable child or a vulnerable family. Uh, I'll take you one step back. Orphans, and correct me if I'm wrong, orphans seems like a clear definition. You know, you've lost your parents. You become an orphan. Do I have that right before we go and define vulnerable children? No, actually. Um,
1: we have a huge misconception of how that term is used. Mm-hmm. It's kind of It was shocking for me when I first kind of looked at what that actually meant. So um, just to stop on that orphan word. So UNICEF in the past has defined orphan as a child who's lost one or two parents to death. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you see this huge number of orphans, right now that number is 140 million orphans. Um, And when you hear terms like the orphan crisis, um, that is referring to that huge number of children that have been categorized as orphans. And you'll look, if you Google, you know, orphan organizations, they will have that. It's either 153 million or 140 million is the most recent number. And, but the thing is that most of us wouldn't necessarily call a child being cared for by a single mom, an orphan, um, we definitely would not in the United States. Um, and it's really only a small percentage of that number, about 10%. So about 15 million children have lost both parents. And then what's crazier is that though of those orphans in countries around the world, 95 to 97% are cared for in family. So orphans are actually cared for in family.
0: Um, that would you know, be like, like extended family. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Oh. Or the other parent, <laughs> because oh, again, okay. that number,
0: yeah. one, it could be the mom's caring
1: for it or the father, um, the surviving parent or a family member. Mm-hmm. Um, so that term and how we've kind of rallied around it is is really a misnomer. And yeah. what we know is most orphans live with families, which is wonderful mm-hmm. um, because we know that families provide better, even very poor families, provide better outcomes for children's development, um, holistic development. Um, But the next question is, for often, for many of us, is who are the children who are in orphanages if they're not orphans? Mm -hmm. And that's where that recognition that most children in orphanages aren't orphans. And the reasons that they end up in orphanages are um, other vulnerabilities. And that's why we use that term vulnerable children. Because we've d- not we, but <laughs> research over decades have started to recognize there are other indicators, other vulnerabilities that are more important. Yes, being an orphan is a vulnerability for sure, but we've recognized there are other vulnerabilities that are even more important when it comes to a child's ability to develop, you know, holistically, spiritually, emotionally, socially, physically. Um, and those are things like, like poverty, extreme poverty. <laughs> so that one starts to feel. Overwhelming, Right. Um, access to education, whether or not they have a disability or maybe uh, their parents have a disability. That is another really important indicator. Children um, who have disabilities or their parents have disabilities are much higher vulnerability than other children around the world. Um, and so these are the things I think we need to think about. But I think we also need to go as a as a Christian. I'm responding to the biblical call. To care for the orphaned and vulnerable child, something I think that's really interesting is that um, throughout Scripture, and again, I'm, my background is a mission, is a pastor, so mm-hmm. so let me go in those weeds for a little bit. But in Scripture, we see orphan and widow almost always together. Uh, there's only a few very limited exceptions, but it's always the orphan and the widow. And in the biblical times when these things were being written, um, orphan and widow could be connected as a unit. So it was the orphan with the widow. So essentially, it's this idea of the fatherless, um, because not having a father, not having a husband in that culture was a huge, extreme vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So you know, as we've interpreted orphan and widow, we kind of have a ministry for the orphans and a ministry for the widows separately. But really, I, I think if we were trying to stick to that biblical idea, or at least question our current ideas, we have to recognize that. This is probably talking about single moms <laughs> taking care of their children. Yeah. Um, and,
0: and it kind of changes the the way that we're responding to it. That's really interesting and insightful. I mean, I think the majority of people think orphans are okay. Well, you don't have both parents. But it makes a lot of sense as you um, explain it. Uh, so many moms, I'm sure, who are listening want to help. They They love the organization. They want to, you know, support and love their neighbors and children even around the world. But many moms are also really overwhelmed with the responsibility that they already have. So what are some small things that moms can do to start, uh, you know, radiating the value and importance of family care and to help and love their vulnerable neighbors in their own communities? Yeah. Yeah. I think... um... Moms
1: actually do so much. (laughs) Actually, I think I saw some recent... Information that said that in like a family unit, um, the, the wife is usually making most of the charitable decisions. Mm. So we have more power in this charitable space, I think, than we realize sometimes. Um, but anyways, uh, so a couple of things, kind of simple things. And, um, one is to be an educated donor. So, you know, lots of things can pull at our heartstrings and there's so many needs out there. Just encourage you, especially with this call to engage children who are without what, what what I would say children without parental care, such an important area um, that we as women or as, as mothers often feel drawn to is to just be an educated donor, look into what an organization, not is the greatest sob story, <laughs> but the one that really seems to know what they're doing and to be making an impact and get behind that kind of work. Um, and we're always happy to help faith to action. That's a big part of what we do is help people understand what organizations might be a good fit for them. And we don't have any real um, motivation. Um, But we do know a lot of great organizations around the world that are doing really great work for orphaned and vulnerable children. So be an educated donor, spend some time, you know, kind of looking into things and even your current donors, if you have current organizations, that's one. The other is just talking to people about it. We have a cultural assumption in America and globally that an orphan needs an orphanage. Like that's the solution. And I think what we've talked about today is that um, an orphan needs a family, (laughs) a safe and loving family, and really kind of overcoming some of the um, disinformation or kind of misconceptions that we have that we've been talking about. Like, what is an orphan and who's actually in orphanages and what are some solutions beyond the orphanage that actually can have better outcomes? So just talking to a friend or a church community or even on social media, talking to your children about this kind of information. So, um, you know, my kids often, they're like, what do you do, mommy? And I'm like, you know, I try to make sure my job is to make sure kids um, have, safe and loving families. And they are like, of course, that's so sad that a a child wouldn't have a family. I mean, it touches their little hearts to imagine that. And they can get motivated to be a change maker in the world. Um, So I just encourage you to talk to people about it. I listened to this podcast and I heard this weird thing. What do you think about it? That's really important that we kind of overcome this, these misconceptions that have led to an over reliance on orphanages and children's homes. Mm -hmm. And then maybe talk to your church about it. That's another thing. Um, talk about what the church is doing to serve, support vulnerable children and maybe what you're learning, um, especially if you have a relationship there and pray, pray for children and families actually we have we're seeing for the first time ever and in, in not ever for the first time in a in decades an increase in extreme poverty globally which again i said earlier that is one of the really important indicators for a child's vulnerability so it's a it's a rough time for families struggling to care for their kids um just, and if there's a specific vulnerability that's on your heart children with disabilities globally a hot, uh, the it's it's so sad how what percentage of children with disabilities end up in institutions and some of the less wonderful institutions because they, you know, they spend their time in beds. Um, uh, some of, you know, some, some pretty horrific situations, but often not getting the kind of stimulation they need to be able to develop. And, um, so praying and praying as a family together is a really powerful and important way, not only to, to lift these, these families and children up to God. Um, but also to encourage your children to love and care for the most vulnerable in our world.
0: Wow. Ellie, this is an amazing organization. I hope moms hear this and they're they're moved to step up to the calling to support and love families who are in these situations. All right, Mama, to go and learn more, go to faithtoaction.org. That's faithtoaction.org. To Thanks again for joining me today, friend, and I'll catch you again next week for a cup of coffee with a side of faith, wisdom, and hope.